0: Hey Vine family, Freddie here, and you're listening to the Vine Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ray shared a message on taking responsibility for our actions, using the example of God asking Adam and Eve the question, where are you? Thanks for coming to this church's podcast. We have a service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Enjoy, and remember, just keep coming back. I don't know if you guys noticed, but we are officially in December. Anybody excited that we are in December? There's two types of people. There are people who have already put up their Christmas trees right after Halloween. And then there are people who are putting up their Christmas trees right now in December. How many of you guys have your Christmas trees up? Everybody. Almost, some, some of you guys. How many of you guys are going to still put up a Christmas tree? The rest, maybe. Okay. Only Justin said he's not going to put up any Christmas tree. He said he doesn't like Christmas and he hates Jesus. I'm just joking. That's a little heavy. I'm joking. Um, he's going to celebrate. I told him, bro, even if I have to go and, and uh, put up a Christmas tree for you i'm gonna go and and do that for you help you out with that but it's christmas time and so in christmas time we like to celebrate we like to um count down and i think it's really special now everybody knows this i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna burst your bubble i feel like i i i've been trying not to like my kids are are in the phase where they just started to believe in santa claus and i don't know how i feel about that so i'm trying to process that and trying to see how i'm gonna deal with this but um but nonetheless uh I hate to burst your bubble. Jesus was not born on December 25th. I don't know if you guys know this, guys. It's a proven fact. Jesus was not born on December 25th. However, it is still really special because we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a few moments where we get to stop what we're doing and we actually get to um, focus on a few different things. Last week, I was talking about the history of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, it, it's really interesting because we know the story of the pilgrims and, and Native Americans and all of this, but but Thanksgiving existed far before that you know that was something that came from a value that the the settlers who came who were these uh puritan settlers coming from england coming to here they carried these values of consistently fasting they carry these values of consistently um praying and and consistently having days of thanksgiving And so it's amazing when we can stop what we're doing to focus on something that is from the Lord. And so I love that in December, we can make this about Jesus. That in December, we can stop, consider that the creator of all of the universe came down and lived with us for 33 years. That he he died a death that was not his and that he resurrected and that we get to celebrate his coming. That God who made everything came as a weakness frail, defenseless baby here with us. And he did it all out of love. How many of you guys can take some joy in that? Amen? Anybody with me, guys? Amen? I don't know if I'm just talking. Sometimes I talk too much. But, but Christmas is a special time for us to reflect man. So what I want to do for the rest of the month is I want us to reflect on Christmas. I want us to reflect on the idea of Christmas. And one thing that I've begun to do since last year is I begin to go through the Bible and what I do is I work through the Bible until I get to the the birth scene of Jesus Christ. And that's where kind of like I zoom in during the Christmas season. And so today I want to start in the beginning. And I promise I'm not going to go through every book of the Bible. But I want to talk about some significant things that lead up to the birth of Jesus, what that has to do with us. And then in December, um, on December 20th. Uh, We're in December already. But on December 24th on Christmas Eve, we're going to conclude with the Christmas story. And it's going to be really special. Amen, guys. Everybody with me, guys. Okay. so if you have your Bibles and you can open up your Bibles, we're going to start this morning by going to Genesis chapter three, verse nine. Genesis chapter three, verse nine. We're going to read there and it might have nothing to do with anything, but I promise by the end of this, it'll connect with you. Genesis 3, 9, let's read this together if we can. I'm going to count to three, and you guys are going to help me read this. Amen? One, two, three. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Can everybody just say, where are you? One more time, can we say, where are you? That's my question today. It's going to be, where are you, and what do you want? If you're going to take notes Uh, The title of my sermon this morning is going to be, Where Are You? What Do You Want? Where Are You? What Do You Want? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray for the message this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for the word, God. I pray, Jesus, that this message might find our hearts. This message might encourage us. I pray Holy Spirit, speak to us. I pray Holy Spirit, reveal to us. I pray that we didn't just come here for a good message, for a good time of worship, but I pray that Jesus, we, we came here, Jesus, to be transformed. Your word says, God, by gazing on your face, we are transformed, God. Um, by your word, we are transformed, Jesus. We are conformed to your message, Jesus. So I pray that your message would just become clear this morning. I pray that your word will be sufficient this morning. I pray, use my life, use my words. Jesus, give me the examples, the thoughts. Jesus, I pray that your spirit guides and conducts this service, this message, this whole moment that we are here together, Jesus. In your holy name, we pray. Everybody says, everybody says, turn to the person next to say, are you awake? Come on, turn to the person next to say, are you awake? You guys with me, guys, this morning? You guys are quiet. It's hard when it was, It's hard to preach when everybody's quiet. Can I have a good amen at least? Amen? Okay, that's better. Now, that's a little encouraging. Amen. So as I was saying, it's Christmas, and in Christmas time, I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm the only one that's still a child, but I have a hard time deciding what I want. Anybody have a hard time deciding what they want? So me and my wife, I did something this year. I thought I was genius is that I created an iCloud notes and I put everything and I started making a list of things that I want. So whenever I see something I am want, I'm, like, well, I'm going to put it in there. You no, know why? Because that way, when my wife asked me, what do you want for Christmas? She has a whole list. And I said, babe, here's your list. And so I said, whenever you want, throw it in there. I'm not going to get everything, but at least I know more or less what you want. I can still surprise you because it's a list. So I might not get all of it, but I'll pick some of the, these things on this list to get you. And I thought as a kid, that as I grew up, I, it would be easier for me to know what I want to want. I thought that by growing up, by reaching 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, I would know what I want much easier than when I was a child. Because when you're a child, you have no idea what you want. If I ask my kids, uh, I, I take them often to buy toys. And when I do, what I do, I have this habit where I put all the toys that they want in the cart. And then before I check out, I say, which one do you want? And it's always a struggle because they say, I want this one, but I want this one. I say, no, you're only taking one. Then they say, no, I want this one, but I want this one. So then what we do generally is I do process of elimination. So I'll say, okay, which one do you want from these four? And pick two, and so they'll pick two. And then I'll say, okay, these two are gone. And, and from these two, which one do you want more? And I want that one. So then, we, so then that's what we do. I say, maybe next time we can go back and grab this one. And I thought that growing up would mean that things would be easier to choose. But the reality is that even as we grow, it gets harder and harder to know what we want. Am I alone? Just me and my brother, half That's the only one. anybody else have a hard time choosing something here? So it seems different. And when we notice something, there's a deeper, I feel like there's a deeper issue inside of us as humans. And it's that as humans, we don't know what we want. Can I even make it better? We don't know what we're supposed to want. So many of us, we are supposed to want things, but sometimes we don't want what we're supposed to want. And, and we don't know what we want. And because we don't know what we want, we get so confused. I, I was talking to somebody recently and they were so confused. They were a ball of confusion and, and they just didn't know what they wanted. And, and the reality is that's not just him. That's not just her. It's not just me. It's not just you. The reality is we all struggle to know what we want in This gets even more complicated as we are Christians, because as a human, without thinking about God in the picture, we already have a hard time choosing what we want. But then you get around Christians and then you start getting into even a more confusing territory because then you meet the type of people who don't know what they want and and they cop out by saying, I just want what God wants. And so you meet people who are just like, not my wants, God's wants. You know, you meet people who are like, ah, I don't want, because if I want, then it's me, but I want what God wants. And so if I have what God wants, then I will want and desire the good things. And, and it becomes even more confusing. Some find it easy and they oversimplify things. I think many times, what do you want? I want a car, what do you want? I want a house, what do you want? I want to retire. what do you want? I want enough money in my bank account to rest. What do you want? I want a wife. What do you want? I want a husband. What do you want? Some people simplify it. But, but I feel like many times as Christians, we are more complex. What do you want as a Christian? I want what God wants for me. Well, what do you want? Well, sometimes we're worried to want the wrong thing. I remember when I was a teenager, there was a pastor who came to talk to me. And I'm working through this whole Christianity thing. And this pastor comes to me and he says, look, be careful with what you want and what you don't want. Because sometimes if you tell God, I don't want this, God will make you get it. And I'm like, what type of messed up God is that? So I remember him being like, look, never say that you're never going to be a a missionary in Mexico, because if you say you're never going to be a missionary in Mexico, that's when God will send you to Mexico. And it was so confusing. Like, what am I supposed to want for this life? What am I? And this reminds me of questions in the Bible. Now, the first question ever asked in the Bible, we just read it up here. It's Genesis chapter three, verse nine. And. I find questions from God very interesting. So let's go back to this passage real quick Genesis 3 9, just to take a look at it one more second. It says this Then God called Adam and said to Adam, Where are you? So let me paint some context for this for the sake of time. Adam and Eve have just sinned. Adam and Eve have just taken a stand against God, have sinned against him, have sinned against his righteousness. And what happens as a result of their sin? They are ashamed. And because they are ashamed, what what is the result of feeling ashamed? You hide. And so what did Adam and Eve do? They hide. Are you guys with me, guys? Now, God shows up in the garden and he asks a question. But you have to understand the context of things. God asks a question. He says, Adam, where are you? Do you guys really believe? Can we all just agree together that God knew exactly where Adam was? The God, creator of the universe, omniscient, knows all things, knows that Adam was hiding behind a bush. Come on, who even hides behind the bush? This is God who created the universe. And here I am hiding. Look, if you hide behind a bush, I'll probably know that you're hiding behind a bush. A bush is a terrible place to hide. Can we all just agree? A bush is a terrible place to hide. It moves. It gives you away. If you breathe, it's going to make noise. Like if a lizard moves in my bush, I know that he's in the bush. If a lizard moves in the bush, I know the lizard is in the bush. If a squirrel moves in a bush, I know that a squirrel is in the bush. How much more are a human being hiding, hiding inside of a bush? So when, when God asks a question, Adam, where are you? You could be sure that he already knows the answer. So what is God doing? The questions of God in Scripture are not for him. The questions of God, whenever God asks a question, it's never for him to know. Whenever he's asking a question, it's for us to understand something. Whenever God asks a question, it's it's has to do with us, not him. He's not the one that needs to find the answer. Adam needs to find the answer. And so here here's the let's 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 think about this. Here's God saying, "Adam, where are you?" Most of the times, can I tell you something? When God asks a question, he is the answer to the question he is asking. But what is he asking Adam? Where are you? Can I can I tell you? I don't think that God was talking to Adam geographically. I don't think God was asking Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Peek-a-boom. Warmer God, warmer, warmer God, warmer, colder, 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 warmer, warmer God. That's not what was happening. God knew where Adam was geographically. I think the question is, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Like he's just made this whole sin and mistake and he's asking Adam, Adam, where are you inside? Where are you at? Where's your heart at, Adam? Where's, where's your soul at, Adam? I think this whole question is an opportunity for Adam to say, God, I messed up. God, I feel horrible. God, I, I'm naked and I'm afraid and I'm ashamed and I'm hiding in a bush and I don't know why I'm hiding in a bush, God. This is an opportunity for Adam to say, I messed up. Because God's asking, where are you, Adam? In other words, it's where are you at in your life? Can I ask you this morning... As somebody who's trying to preach the word, can I ask you, where are you this morning? Where are you? Are you between sad and satisfied? Are you between content and contending? Are are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you needing? Are you wanting? Where are you? Are you still in love? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? I can imagine Adam talking to God and, and Adam telling God, God, take a left. God, take a right. God, I'm, I'm close to you. And, and God just turning to Adam saying, Adam, uh, I know where you are, but where are you? I know where you are, but where are you? Can I ask you again this morning? Where are you? Where are you in your soul? Where are you in your life? Where, where are you today? Can you turn to somebody next to you and say, can you say to them, where are you? Turn to the other person and say, where are you? Come on, help me preach this morning. I want you to understand that God wants us to use our moments, our situations. I believe in not wasting any crises. I love the way that God designs things. We're we're awfully close to a new year. And as we get close to a new year, God designed this wonderful system where seasons change, where years flip. And every single 365 days, you have a new beginning. Everybody say new beginning. You have a new beginning in your life. Is everybody here with me? Can you say amen? Did I lose you guys? I mean, come on. If you come in on Sunday morning and not listening, that sucks, man. Like I could do better things on Sunday morning come and just sit down. But if you're here, I believe you're listening to the message of the Lord. Amen, guys? You're with me. Amen? So the question is, where are you? Why are you here? Where are you? Why are you here? And the reality is that we are not well many times in our soul. We are not well many times in our soul. Our soul is not well. We get caught up in doing things. As I mentioned two days ago, two nights ago, that we get caught up in doing things and many times we don't ask, why are we doing what we are doing? And that is a significant question to ask because reminding ourselves why, reminding ourselves of the initial yes, reminding ourselves of why we got into this in the first place, why we started in the first place, will give us the capacity to keep on going. Many marriages would be benefited from husbands and wives who stop and think, why did we get married in the first place? Oh yeah, we loved each other. Oh yeah, we found that we want to spend our lives together. And so reminding yourself of that sets you up for success in your marriage. Can I tell you, in ministry, it's no different. You will grow tired unless you remember, why am I here? And if you have the wrong motivations, you will break out. But if you had the correct motivation and you said, man, I started doing this because I wanted to serve the Lord, because I wanted to give my life to something bigger than myself, then that will keep you going. Are you guys with me? Many times we forget I, I, we're a parent, me and Ariel, we're parenting and we're trying to establish these good habits and everything. And man, good habits are hard to carry. Every parent thinks before they get have kids, they, they think I'm never gonna give my kid a television. I'm never gonna give my kid an iPad. I'm never gonna give them this, I'm never gonna give this, until they get through the test of actually having kids and then they actually end up succeeding or not. And so the question is, how do you establish these patterns in your kid's life if you don't remember why you started them in the first place? I'm gonna give them healthy food. But then along the lines, they want chicken nuggets and you lose, if you do not remember why you started this in the first place, then it will not be sustainable for you. You must remind yourself why you are doing what you're doing. It must be continual. The Bible tells us this, my people perish because they do not have vision. And so vision needs to be consistently reestablished in your life. If you want to reach something in your life, you need to consistently put the vision of what you're going after in front of you and adjust the course and say, this is what I want so that you don't give up halfway. Anybody with me? Amen. Okay, good. So we have to understand, but it's, it's a danger because many times we get caught in the rat race. You know, scaling is a different is a dangerous thing. When you scale, it's dangerous to scale. Do you know what scaling is? Scaling is wanting to just like always try to build, always try to make bigger, always try to find things and it's just scaling. It's scaling. You have to be careful. Like people want to scale all the time. What does that look like? Like people want to be bigger for the sake of being bigger, not for the sake of what the original purpose was. Are you with me? We're all playing this game. Like we, we all get caught up in this. We all get stuck in this. And we, we want to scale because it's popular, because it's, it's, it's there, because it's, it's available. But many times we lose the essence of what we want. Everybody here with me, guys. I was thinking about this, like something as silly as this example. The other day, somebody was drinking around me this blue bottle of, of, of soda. And when I looked at it, it was called stevia soda or something like that. And it was like a Coca-Cola that was healthy. And, and everybody was like, oh, and that person, how many of you guys know these people? When you get something healthier or when you get something that's more artisanal, underground, less well-known, you kind of feel superior to everybody else. And and what happens is this person was like feeling like they were the most superior person. They're like, ew, you drink Coke still? I drink still. or people who drink, for example, people who drink Coke zero and they feel like it's super superior because they're drinking Coke zero. And it's just like, bro, it's it's the same thing. We're both drinking poison. We're both going to probably die from this. But, but like, but like, don't feel better because of this. Like you have to understand. And and the reality is we're always trying to do this. You drink, you don't drink coffee. And then you start drinking Starbucks and you feel super special. Oh, I'm drinking Starbucks. And then somebody comes around and they start drinking like Blue Bottle and everybody's like, oh, you drink Starbucks? I drink Blue Bottle. And, And we're always scaling. We're always trying to keep up. We're always trying to keep the rat race going, trying to do it. And we forget the essence of why we started to do what we started to do. Everybody here with me? I find that we are so fickle many times. We are so fickle and we can't stop what we're doing. Okay, enough of me telling you this. Here's what I believe. I think that as humans, we are living in specific ways. And when we live in specific ways, we need to discover what we want in our lives. We need to discover where we are going. We need to discover where we are. Hey, where we are, where we're going, what do we want from this life? And I think there's four levels. I wrote four levels here of living that I think that we can go through as humanity, all right? And I'm, not, I'm gonna be quick. I'm gonna try not to take too long. The first level that I wrote down here is the level of what you wanted. Everybody here, when you're growing up, you want something. You ask a kid, hey, um, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And they'll probably give some extreme answer. Like, I wanna be president. I wanna be an astronaut. I wanna be a doctor. If you asked me when I was a child what I wanted to be when I was growing up, my answer was consistently, I wanna be a doctor. My answer was, consistently, I want to be a doctor. My brother, I remember specifically, as a child, every time you would ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? He would say, an archaeologist. And every single time, consistently, he would want to be an archaeologist. Why? Because he loved dinosaurs. Are you guys with me, guys? You with me here? And so, the first idea of what we want is given to us by other people. Everybody here with me, guys. It's the idea that's given to us by others. Like, somebody told us, oh, you like dinosaurs? You should be an archaeologist. Somebody told us, oh, do you like space? Why not be, a sp- Why not be an astronaut? And it's, and it's kind of messed up because those people don't believe that you could actually be those things. But they encourage you anyways to believe in it. But somebody else tells you what you're supposed to be like. Oh, no, you need to be a doctor. I, I wanted to be a doctor because my dad said, man, doctors are great. They make a lot of money. You should be a doctor. It's okay. That's what I want to be, a doctor. Well, what do you want to be? It's when somebody tells you what you want. Are you guys with me, guys? And this is the first level of humanity. We are told what we are supposed to want by others. And what happens is we want things without understanding why we want things. Is everybody here with me, guys? I want to be a teacher. I want to be a linebacker. I want to be an astronaut. What do you want? It's, it's something. And can I tell you something? It's so simple at this period. It's almost euphoric. It's, it's actually really great because it's so simple that you're not thinking these things through that much. And it's actually really easy. Um, and, and maybe we should all just be happy to be there. You're just kind of dumb and happy. You ever been to that phase where you're just dumb and happy? And you're like, bro, this ignorance thing sometimes is not that bad because you can just enjoy things a little bit more. Thinking sometimes is is bad. And so, so you, you get to that phase. But that's the first phase. But there's another phase that I think, which is level two, which is a level where you get to, if you're taking notes, it's what am I supposed to want? So the first one is like, I want because somebody else told me I want. But then you realize, bro, I'm never going to be an astronaut. Then you realize, bro, I'm never going to be the president of the United States of America. And so you start to think, what am I supposed to want? What am I supposed to want? And if you're in the church, if you're in the church context, this is where something will get inserted into this whole context and into this whole equation is what does God want me to want? What does God want me to want? What am I supposed to want in God? What's the will of God for my life? Like, uh, h- how do I find the will of God? Like, what am I supposed to want? And so there's a second phase in this life where you're just like telling God, like, what am I supposed to want? What am I supposed to desire? What am I supposed to figure out? What, 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 is, what is this? Okay, everybody here with me, guys? And this is the second phase that everybody's going to go through in their life. Maybe it's just me, but I think everybody goes through these phases in their life, whether you want to admit it or not. But there's a third phase. What's the third phase? The third phase is when you start to have your own desires. Are you guys with me, guys? You start to know what you want. So you start to think like, okay, no, I want this. I want this. I want this. So let me give you a a silly example to try to paint this picture hopefully a little bit better. It's like before you couldn't make up your mind. Now you know what you want in your life. You know where you want to eat. You know who you want to date. You know who, who you want to be with. You know what you want for your life. You, you start to make decisions. I remember being in 18 years old in ministry school and being like, okay, I think this ministry thing is what God wants for me. And, and at some point I needed to say, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want for my life. This is what I choose for my life. You know, part of growing up, the, one of the hardest parts of growing up, I would say, is learning that we have to make decisions and choose. As adults, you have to choose. And can I tell you something? Do not secondhand your choices because sometimes we, we 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 offload our choices. Sometimes we we export our choices to other people. Do you know why? Because the reality is we don't wanna take responsibility for our actions. And so there comes a point where we all have to make decisions and choices and say, this is my preference. This is not my preference. This is my selection. This is not my selection. What do I want? Are you guys with me guys? You gotta know what you want. I remember when I was dating my wife, me and my wife, we, we dated when we were like 19. Well, almost dated when we were 19 kind of almost and then everything fell apart and we would come just left each other completely moved on with our lives almost entirely she was still stalking me but I moved on with my life completely like I was moving on And, um, and 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 all of this and and it wasn't until four years later that we reconnected out of chance and from chance and from this reconnection We ended up getting married. But the second time around was different because the first time around, I'm a 19-year-old kid. I have no idea what I want. Well, I have some vague idea. I say, man, I want a family. I want kids. But I don't know who I want to marry. I don't know who I want to be with. I don't know what I want from this place. I I don't know, man. I just didn't even know. I didn't even know myself, much less who I wanted to marry. Are you guys with me? But the second time around, I knew exactly what I wanted. The second time around, I knew exactly what I wanted. The second time around, I said, look, I'm not here to play games. The second time around, I said, hey, this is it. This is what I want for my life. We're gonna get married. Like the second time around, I knew exactly what I wanted. And this is a third phase that I was talking about. It's when you know what you want. Are you guys with me, guys? But can I tell you there's a higher phase? And when we're talking about what we want, can I tell you that as humans, I believe that we're supposed to function in this last phase. And I think that this phase of functioning Is what leads to the greatest joy even though it seems like the greatest suffering it's it's understanding this last phase okay and here's what i want you to do so go to mark chapter 14 go to verse 35 mark chapter 14 and verse 35 if you can um i don't know if we have it but do we have the message version of the bible if if we don't i have it here i can read it here but we're going to read from the message version of the bible mark chapter 14 verse 35 and 36. And this is the highest level, okay? For me, this is what I believe we need to learn how to do, okay? So, <clears throat> Mark 14, 35, 36. We can actually get keys. One, well, you can come up already. It says this. Going on a little ahead, he fell to the ground and he prayed for a way out. This is Jesus about to go to the cross. So, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He goes ahead of his disciples. And there's a point where he just falls to the ground. This is Jesus pre Uh, crucifixion. So he's like, I fell to the ground and he prayed for a way out. Jesus prays and and this is Jesus' prayer when he falls to the ground. Papa Father talking to God. God you can can't you? You can get me out of this. Take this cup away from me. But please not what I want what do you want? Please not what I want what do you want? There's a fourth part, which is really intense. Let me let me give context to this. Jesus is about to die, and, and he knows he's about to die, and, and it's paining it. Like, Jesus, this is hurting Jesus. This is physically taking a toll on Jesus. To the point where the Bible tells us that Jesus started to sweat, but instead of, Sweat coming out of his pores and blood came out of his pores. Back in that day, nobody probably understood what that even meant. Even the writers of the book were just probably like shocked by what was happening. Oh my gosh, Jesus was sweating blood. Today, through science and medicine, they understand that when a person is such a level of high stress, there is this this the situation that happens inside of the human body where the human body confuses because of the level of stress your pores, and instead of sweating through the sweat glands, your sweat glands start to excrete blood from your body. And this is such a high level of stress that 0.07% of human beings will ever experience this. It is such a massive level of stress and and I would go as bold as to say anxiety that, that it will destroy the human body, confuse the human body to the point of Crippling the human body. If you've ever had a panic attack, or have heard of somebody having a panic attack, your body gets affected by the anxiety that it's facing. But if you would take a panic attack and multiply it by one thousand, you would get a human being who sweats blood. This is equivalent of what Jesus is going through at this moment. And and what is interesting about this passage, and what I was reading, and what stood out to me, is that Jesus knows exactly what he wants, and he says it. He says, "God." I don't want to die. God, I don't want to die. This is hard. But what what is amazing, and I think this is the last level of of knowing what we want, is when Jesus turns and he says, well, God, I don't want to die, but what do you want? In essence, he's saying, God, this is what I want. But then God replies with, he asks God, he says, God, but nonetheless, it's not what I want. God, what do you want for me? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want, God, from these trees? What do you, God, want from from our existence? What, what, What do you want? I think the highest level of humanity that we can function is when we become preoccupied with what God wants on top of what we want. What do you want? What do you want? I want to tell you that many times you need to understand what you want so that you can understand what God wants. And you need to have that revelation. You're, you're not just naively, blindly saying, God, what do you want? And I'm just going to go, what am I supposed to want? No, you're being honest with the Lord It's saying, God, here are my desires. And can I tell you, you need to be real careful with your prayers and what you want. I know many guys who go to nightclubs and they have no joy, no peace because one day they came to service and said, God, I give you my life. And from that place, the Holy Spirit was inside of them. And from that place, they were never again able to live that life that they used to live. You got to be careful with what you pray, because what you pray will make a change inside of you. But there's a greater level inside of us. So there's when we go to a place where we say, God, what? do you want? Now, what does God want? Can I tell you, there's no instant gratification in what God wants. God never guarantees that you're going to be pleased the moment you say, God, what do you want? As a matter of fact, there might be a lot of moments where God makes you go through th- things that you wouldn't necessarily want for yourself, yet those things are from him and they are good for you. God did not say, okay, Jesus, you don't have to die. God said, Jesus, This is the only way. This is the only way. And what did Jesus do? He said, here's my want, but here's your want. And my want for your want is greater than what I'm feeling. And so for this reason, I'm going to submit my want to your want. I'm going to surrender what I desire for what you desire, because it is more significant. It is more important. Can I tell you? It's not what the crowd wants. It's what God wants. Can I tell you, it's not what you're supposed to want. You can be honest and tell God what you want. It's it's not supposed to be doing. Can I tell you? It's understanding. It's maturity. It's growth. It's saying, Lord, these are real feelings. Lord, these are real situations inside of me. God, these are real things that I'm going through. And God, I'm not a child. I'm not naive. God, I, I am a human being with flesh and bone. But nonetheless, God, here's my wants and here are your wants. Whatever your wants are, I will surrender my wants to your wants. And I will follow through with you. It's, this is, I believe, the true reality of the Christian faith. This is what I think will we'll do. Jesus, he says, Father, if you get me out of this, but what, what do you want? Father, you can you can resolve this whole thing, but what do you want? It's it's being close to him. It's learning about him. It's discovering his desires that are greater than yours. It's it's, it's understanding this. You know, there's a, a term that I was reading this week and I really like it. And it's the term Christian hedonism. And and hedonism, I don't know if you guys know this, is a, a secular term that means to live a life for pleasure. Hedonism is when all of your life is moved around your pleasure. Whatever pleases you, do it. Whatever makes you feel good at the moment, go for it. Like, it does not matter. That is hedonism. But, but this term... Created by John Piper called Christian Hedonism is a term that means that we as Christians are supposed to have pleasure. He follows up with this idea that he says this. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Can I break that down for you? Nobody likes serving God who makes people depressed and sad all day. Nobody likes, nobody thinks God is great because you're sad. Nobody thinks, man, God is so wonderful because you're miserable. Nobody thinks, man, God is so great because you suffer all the time. Nobody looks at God and thinks, man, God is wonderful because of of your misery. No, no one people know how good God is when they find joy, when they find peace, when they find satisfaction that is beyond what this world can offer. Then they say, what do you have that this God can offer that nothing else in this universe can offer me? And so God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. But can I tell you, our satisfaction is not based on our wants, our wills, and our desires. Our satisfaction is not based on what we want. Our satisfaction is not based on doing what gives us pleasure in the moment. Can I tell you, there is greater satisfaction in suffering sometimes than there is in joy of the world, than the happiness that the world provides. Huh. Solomon said this, he said it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a party. Because he said, there's something about going to a house that somebody has just passed away that makes all of our humanity seem so real, that makes us hug our family a little tighter, that makes us think, man, my breath tomorrow is not guaranteed. I should do something with this life. He said it is better to be in that atmosphere, in an atmosphere where everybody thinks that they will never die. And does not value the day. So there is more joy sometimes in our suffering, in our will, than there is Jesus. He established this in an upside-down kingdom when he said, the last will be first. When he said, the greatest shall be last. When he established that in suffering you would find peace. When he understood this, and the greatest men of God who wrote the Bible, who understood this, lived this. Paul, writing from a Philippian jail, he says this, rejoice again, I tell you, rejoice. Why is he saying this from a Philippian jail? A Philippian jail is not our normal jail cells that we have today. There is no toilet and bunk bed. There is no sink. There is nothing. A Philippian jail is literally bars made out of steel. Hey, you poop where you sleep. You stay there in chains and shackles. And Paul writes, rejoice again, I say rejoice. He tells us, man, I'm so joyful. In suffering, I have found the greatest joy. In that man, I could ask, what was it that Paul saw? What was it that inspired Paul? Because whatever he had in that life, I want that for myself. You see, when we are most satisfied in God, he is most glorified. And this only comes from us living this type of life, this this Christian life where our desires begin to be completely molded, where we are totally honest with the Lord. We're not pretending. We're not naive. We're not immature. We're not children. We're saying, God, here's what I would like. God, here's what I want. God, if you can, pass this cup for me. But nonetheless, not what I want, what you want, God. This is the highest level. Do you understand? It's when we follow Him. It's when we walk with Him. It's when we're close to him. We leave behind our desires in the dust and we follow to him. Can I tell you something? We need to walk with Jesus. We need to walk with Jesus. We need to be close to him. We need to smell like him. We need to be yoked by him. We need to stay behind him. Look, we're predictable. We follow each other on Instagram. We take our cues from Instagram. We take our cues from the people that we follow. We want to be like the people that we follow. We want to buy all the things of the people that we follow. And guess what? Everybody knows this except for you. Everybody's bidding for your attention. Everybody knows you better than you know yourself. Everybody knows where you are more than you know where you are. And they are vying for your attention. They are conforming and molding you to what they want and your wants are becoming their wants but what if I told you that you could be honest with your desires you could remind yourself or discover what you want where you are where you want to go and you could submit and surrender that to the Lord who will do infinitely more than you could ask think or imagine in your life you have to understand it's what does the Lord want what does the Lord want I was standing the other day outside of a store and somebody was smoking in and, and I was just thinking about the nature of secondhand smoke. And I was just thinking, man, you don't even have to smoke, to smell like smoke, you just be around somebody who smokes and you'll smell like smoke, you don't even have to like, it's, it's, it, it it's, it's, it's so interesting the way it works. You don't even have to smoke to get sick. You can literally get sick by being around somebody. Like you'll become like the person that you were around. And, and I just started to think about that. Like, I really just started to go off in that. And and I started thinking, man, following Jesus, sometimes it's a lot like getting secondhand skull. Like, you just need to be around him and you start smelling like it. You just need to be around him and whatever's inside of him starts getting inside of you. You just have to be around him and you start to be conformed to him. You just need to be around him and something will happen to you, and and it's so great, it's so wonderful, where you start to just follow and trust, and it is not your will, it is not what you want so much, so many times, it is what he wants for your life, and suddenly, out of nowhere, you start to learn how to trust, you start to learn how to walk, you start to believe, look, the challenges, they remain, the things still happen, tribulations still come, but you just start to learn how to trust a little more, I told my wife the other day, I said, the more we trust the Lord, the more we take steps of faith, I feel like the more we're going to have an ease for the next step of faith, the more things are going to become easier for us. The more we're going to be able to step into whatever God has for us, the more we step, the more we trust. We need to do this. I feel like we need to learn as Christians to allow the Lord to surrender. This was sports. I would say, give him the ball and let's isolate. Give him the ball and let's move out of the way. Like, let's let us let him do what only he can do. We're planning, we're planning, we're planning, but we're not relying on the Spirit of God. We forget that God is a spirit person. We forget that the Spirit is a person who wants to talk and be involved. To understand that the Lord, he wants to work in this, to be in you, to walk in you. There's still have so much I could say, but do you know where you are? Do you know what you want? Do you know what you want? I think when, when God asks Adam, Adam, where are you? I think when God asks us, what do you want? I think he's asking us because he's really giving us an answer what do you want because you know what I want I want you and we tell God God you can have me he says no but I want you we say God you can have me I'm yours he says no I want you he says you can have me I'm yours God and God says no I want all of you I want all of you no 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 God you have all of me no no you're not understanding I want the dark parts no, 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 God, you have it. No, 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 you're not getting this. I want you to see No, but God, God, you don't get it. I, I've given you. No, I want every detail. I want to know what you decide. I want you to tell me what's in your heart. I want you to tell me what burns for you. I want you to tell me. I want you to give it to me. I want every part of you. I think what we're hap- what's happening is God, God asks Adam, where are you? And we're giving God directions. We're giving god directions god here i am warmer 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 we're giving god directions, but are you not listening the question is where are you adam where are you do you know where you are i want him you know why i made you Do you know why you exist because i want i desire you adam i want to be close to you adam i don't it's not that i don't know the answer to this question i know what it is and i desire you adam I think that sometimes we have become human doers and not human beings. I think that sometimes we've become people who are trying to make our plans and do things we've forgotten why we are doing these exact things. But the Lord, he wants us. He wants us. He wants us. It's messy and it's a broken road. Pay attention to me. It's messy. It's a broken road. It's not an easy road. Can I tell you? The Lord desires us. The Lord wants our hearts. The Lord, he wants our obedience, not because he's a controlling God, because he's a good God. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to surrender, not because he's a God who wants to take things from us, because he understands that we were created in his image and likeness. And when we find surrender, that's when we find true joy and peace. It's like people who are so selfish and so avarice and they just want things for themselves and then they learn to give and they discover that giving many times can be better than receiving in your life. And it's like something opens that when you suffer, you gain, when you when you hurt. And I'm not saying that this Christian life is only suffering, please. Let's not just become a bunch of masochists or are just beating ourselves, comparing our sufferings to one another. No, but let us understand that we are walking together in this line, understanding that many times God will honor our wants he will give us what we want and he will give us better than what we want. But many times he will ask for what we want and he'll say, here's what I will. But what's our reaction every single time? God, this is what I want. To God, what do you? God, what do you want? Can I ask you, what does it profit a man to gain the world, but not give God what he wants? What does it profit a man? He might gain the world, but not give God what he wants. And God, he doesn't just go on your desires and wants. We're not doers. God, he desires us. This human existence is about us walking hand in hand, walking lockstep, walking side by side with our creator. It's about us walking in this planet, walking on this earth, Walking in the cool of day with our Lord, managing things, organizing things, being present with our family, being here, loving one another. That is the calling of the Lord upon us to walk with the Lord as we walk in our lives. It's not like, oh, here's the compartment of Christianity and here's the compartment of my life. It is that the heavens, that the kingdom of God would begin to overlap our lives and our decisions, our choices, our life, the way we raise our kids, the way we we spend time with our wife and a husband, the way that we we relate with each other in friendship, in relationships, in connections. That heaven would just begin to overlap and take over everything. And we would begin to walk as Jesus walked. We begin to catch that secondhand smoke. And we begin to smell as he smelled. I was telling somebody, I think it's so interesting. Because we are called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. But if you notice, everybody is different. Everybody's going to look like Jesus, but everybody is different. So I was telling him, I got this idea the other day. It's like a milkshake. You know, you can have a strawberry banana milkshake. You can have a strawberry peach milkshake. You can have a strawberry blueberry milkshake. It's all different flavors. It looks different. It tastes different. Are you with me? But the common ingredient is that everything has strawberry. I would say we are all called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. But Ray conformed to the image of Jesus is going to look different than Justin conformed to the image of Jesus. It's going to look different than Sinead conformed to the image of Jesus. And in that is multiplicity in the body of Christ. As we walk out and as we are formed into him as we have what's called spiritual formation and it begins with the surrender of our hearts it begins with answering this question where are you where are you going what do you want in your life can as a church can I just challenge us just let me close with this can I just challenge us to be mature say God here's my desires here's my wants God what are your desires what are your wants for my life and could we live a life that's so intermingled with God, with the Spirit, with the Son, with heaven, that we just live this Christian life the way it was meant to be? Trusting, walking, connected, flowing, being, experiencing. Can we do that? I want to invite you to stand up right now. I want to invite you to just close your eyes. I want to invite you to just, if if this message spoke to you, you would do what Jesus did. You would say, Father, if possible, take this of. But nonetheless, not what I want. Do you want? Can we just be real, just this morning, church, and tell God, God, this is what I want. Or what do you want? This is where I am, Jesus. I'm not hiding. I'm not behind the bush anymore. This is where I am, man. I'm struggling. Man, I'm having differences. Man, I'm not trusting. Man, I'm lacking faith this morning, but not what I want, what you want. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you gotta say, Lord, I really want this relationship, but not what I want, what you want, Kong. Maybe it's a person What I to say, man, here's my future, God, it's not what you want, Not what I want, but what you want, Jesus. Be honest. I'm not telling you that God's going to show up right now immediately and tell you this, 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 and this. But this morning, he might start to you. This morning, he might start to speak to you. This morning, he might start giving you revelation right now. This morning, something might shift in your life. So let's do that right now. Close your eyes. Surrender your marriage. Surrender your children. Surrender your future. Surrender your wife. Surrender your husband. Surrender right now the past. How would I want a few? Off? Not because somebody told you. You're being completely lost. But it's because you've seen Jesus. And you know that he just wants you. He wants you. He wants you and the entirety of you. He wants all that he wants. He wants relationship. So Jesus, I just pray right now, God. Can you lift your voice when we you say your own prayer? I pray right now, Jesus, as we close our sermons. That Jesus, this would be on our hearts. I pray that this idea, God. These words, Jesus, would just stay with us throughout this week, Jesus, What are you asking? But we need to trust Him, in Jesus. Jesus, you can take it. Here's all of our truth. Here's all of our honest event. Here it is. You can take it. You can take it. You can take all of our words. You can take all of my desires. You can take my wants. You can take my thoughts. Here's our mind.